Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advantage tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. This week's guest is coming off a semifinal appearance in the WNBA playoffs as a member of the coaching staff for the Dallas Wings. She is Coach April Schilling. Coach, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, prior to her time there with the Wings, Coach Schilling spent several years in the Indiana Fever and Minnesota Lynx organizations during her their playing days. She appeared in two Final Fours, Pat Summit's volunteers teams, and then played in the WNBA as well, spent some time with the Liberty and the Lynx and the Fever. So a lot of experience as both a player and a coach, and I'm excited to have her on today to talk about several things. We're going to talk, Coach, the first <laughs> Uh, dive a little bit into some X's and O's. What are the biggest changes that you've seen overall, both sides of the ball in regards to kind of offensive and defensive systems, maybe from the time that you were playing or earlier kind of scouting, that kind of thing to, to what it looks like now? Great question. Um, yeah, I think that the biggest difference is the game is becoming positionless. And so you see it all the way at the grassroots level, players that you know, even though they're six five, they want to hang around around the three and and shoot the three ball. And I think the evolution of the five out game, understanding that all five positions can dribble, shoot, and pass, and and just have a skill set. Um, that's the evolution of the game. Um, also on the on the flip side of it, defending, you know, um, defending your position, especially at the pro level, and and you can see it in college too. Um, just defending a ball screen and we can get in the weeds on that and, and all the different um, schemes and actions um, that uh, we try to, you know, take advantage of from game to game. I think that's the biggest difference um, from when I played a hundred years ago. I mentioned there in the intro, you guys made it all the way to the semifinals and the playoffs and playing the aces. You, you're getting the opportunity to prep for those teams. And um, I think even did some prep for the Liberty and the event that you were faced them. Uh, some of the things maybe that you saw from those two teams from an X's and O perspective that impressed you? Uh, I'll start with New York and then we'll finish with the champs. Um, <laughs> New York, you know, Sandy did a, had a roster full of shooters. They led the league in three-pointers made all season. Vegas was uh, very close behind them, but that's what they were. That was their most dangerous asset. Uh, I think their defense uh, across the board improved as the season went on. And they got com more comfortable and the chemistry started to grow with that new team. I think for New York, it was uh, it, it was their ability to, to, to shoot the three. So all of our game planning was, you know, how do we guard the arc and run them off the line and, and make that difficult for them? Because I did a little bit of a deep dive in every game that they scored and they made more than 11 threes they won. If we could at least hold them under their average <laughs> A little bit we might have a chance so and we did that once um we were able to actually win a few one of one of those games the other one was really close um and then with vegas um i think what most impressed me is they run some pretty uh good action to give their best players space to work and do what they do i don't think they were overcoached. i think that would be one of the things that i was looking 
you know, because when you when you have too many plays and too many options, the game gets too fast. And you could see they were very comfortable with each other and they could just read and react what the defense gave them. I think Becky did and their, her staff did an amazing job of putting their best players in space to do what they do best. And obviously Asia Wilson had a fantastic series in New York and also against us. She was a little bit fired up for uh, not getting the MVP. So it gave her a little extra motivation. I was so happy that came out right before we played them. <laughs> uh, but that's how it goes. <laughs> Going back to the Liberty, you talked about running them off the three-point line. I know a lot of coaches say that. I, I always wonder what that looks like. Was you guys are discussing that, what does that mean? And then what are the repercussions to playing that way? Well, yeah, you have to give up something, right? When you when you focus on one thing, um, you're giving up another. So for them, it was obviously Sabrina making every catch really, really hard for her, uh, putting her in actions at the other end of the court, um, hopefully getting a fatigue factor to set in. Um, but in terms of just running them off the line, like understanding what, what plays they're in and then off of ball screens, um, getting in and being physical with them, and the side ball screens icing and then, you know, making them make that that next those two more passes um, within their offense and maybe try to take that first and second option away and then uh, make them, you know, make a read late in the shot clock. Because as you find in, in analytics, if they're shooting uh, late in the shot clock, usually it's not as a high percentage shot. And so just trying to make make them shoot tough twos was what we tried to do <laughs> as the offense becomes positionless is that putting more pressure on the defense to become positionless as well and i'm thinking in particular Absolutely. like with your five you can't just ice mm -hmm. everything when you've got those great shooters all they need is a little bit of space how have you seen that evolution play out and i'm assuming that still needs to continue to improve as as defenses attempt to become a little bit more positionless of course. <laughs> and we had a huge five. We have, you know, Tierra McCallan and, and Kalani Brown in those ball screens. And so that was obviously a a tough thing for us. But then, um, you know, it's a team game and we tried to make it a tough, like the catch is tough for every shooter that we were defending. And, you know, it, it's 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 a game of who wins a neutral good zone. So if we, if we were the aggressors and we were more aggressive in attacking mode on defense, then their first and second options didn't work. And so it's just, you know, it's a game of chess a lot of times, but yeah, we did see a lot of off screen action with those two involved. Yeah. The spacing, I think I heard that in a conversation I had recently with, with another assistant coach and just talking about, you give those players the space to make plays and that puts extra pressure now on the person guarding the ball and everybody mm -hmm. knows ball pressure is, I mean, since basketball began, but even more sure. so now, surely it's not, they come to us, the players come to us and either you can or you can't, you're wanting to see improvement. How do you guys build that in practices and, and combine it too with uh, what we were just talking about? Now you've <laughs> got multiple players attempting to guard multiple positions. Sure. I mean, it comes down to trust and team defense um, and understanding that that two nine help, you know, you can in the pros, you can only be in the three second in the in the lane for three seconds to 2.9 seconds without a violation. And so trusting that your teammate is there on the backside as you pressure the ball is important. And um, because 
what you see is if, if a team doesn't trust the defenses behind them, then they won't pressure the ball as much. And so you won't be as effective. And so I think that takes time to build trust within a team. Um, every year the team's different. And so early on, um, you know, you see, um, you just see that develop throughout the year. But I think the more you can do that in practice and build that trust and build uh, the habits, because it is muscle memory, the habits of being there and help side and knowing, you know, and nail help or uh, when to rotate and all those different things so that you're confident and that muscle memory is there once the game time comes and you're confident of your rotations and your scheme, you know, you see that develop as in 40 games. <laughs> yeah. Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advantage tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, or you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Like we said, a lot of teams emphasizing the spacing and attempting to create that. I mean, from the very start, how they arrive as they get down the floor there. Mm -hmm. But then teams now as well with the five out and other offenses. I watched, I was watching even some stuff this morning from you all. It's not always coming out of five out. You'll even do some kind of some Iverson type stuff. But mixing in the ball screen stuff, I, I know you use a variety of ball screens this past year. How do you guys like to rep that? What are you trying to get? Where do you like the ball screens coming from? Any of that. One of the things I like to do is called the ball screen definite dozen. I played for Pat Summit, so mm -hmm. I had to keep the definite dozen in there. And so it's uh, basically three schemes. The most common schemes that we'll see would be drop coverage, ice or down, and then switch. So three different schemes that defense can do. And then in those schemes, so first one is drop coverage, six different ways to attack it. So the first one is um, the hostage or the chair. So as you see, the four is coming over to set a ball screen for the one. And the one hesitates and it's a hostage dribble and then goes into a side step back jumper. The second one, and do this on both sides. And it's optimal if you can have a coach to pass it, a practice player to defend, and then one to screen and one to rebound. I know not everyone has that luxury, so you might have to adjust, but that is uh, the most ideal way to do this. It takes about 30 minutes to do all three of these schemes um, and 12 shots per scheme. So the second one is a snake. Obviously, come off the, the screen, immediately snake right off the screener's back um, and get get – space and cover distance for 15 to 17 foot jumper a lot of times that's the easiest way to get to a short corner jumper is because the rotation has to come all the way outside the lane third one is the pocket pass a lot of times the four will banana cut off this roll to give more space but a pocket pass one's coming off and this diagram would use their left hand because it's short and quick after a dribble off the screen to pass to the big 
uh, rolling to the on the short roll. And we always like to give the this is the guard workout. I have a whole forward screening workout too, but this one is just the guards and they would rotate to the to the top of the key to get a shot. So there are six shots right there. And now, um, cause you do it on one on both sides. Next one is a snake to a corner three. So um, this is kind of a horns action. One comes off the screen, snakes it. Obviously defenders going over the top. Um, X2 tags the roller. And so at two is open in the corner. So they quick stop, fire it on time on target to the two and then relocate to the top of the key for a shot. The middle diagram is um, reject the screen, get to the uh, drive and a drift. So working on that pass on time on target with some speed um, to drifting to the corner, they would relocate to the, the closest corner to get a shot. The sixth one is to reject the screen. So X1 jumped early over the top. And so they're rejecting the screen and then they're getting into a pro hop um, to the middle, to the middle of the court, coming off two feet, getting off the floor quick. So that's the first series. Second is ice down. And I should have said this at the beginning. One of the things that I think is is fundamental to uh, to ball screens is for the guard is the setup, the read the scheme, and then punish the help. And all of this happens within one or two seconds. So I think a lot of reps and a lot of different actions. Um, you know, it's important to rep this, um, what you're trying to get out of it. But this is a second scheme. So all of those were drop scheme. This one is ice or down. So they're trying to not let them use the screen on the side of the floor. First one is just to um, set it up and then get to a two foot finish against the five. You know, if the ice or down coverage X5 should be between them and the basket if they're in the correct position. And so you're just attacking the big. Um, off the bounce for two strong two foot finish. The second one, the middle diagram is um, you're attacking the big, but getting away, getting into space for a step back jumper into the short corner dunker spot. Third one is a snake to the free throw line. So X5 is a little bit in this, in the third diagram would be too far back would be the read. And so one is gonna snake and get to a jumper at the foul line. Again, you do all of these on both sides of the court. So right now we have six shots. Next one is a pick and pop. So X5, you're getting two people to guard you here on this left diagram. And then you're you're working on that over the head pass or even behind the back pass, depending on the skill level of the of the guard. And then relocating to the corner for, for a shot. The second one, the middle diagram is um, one is faking a snake. So it's the same read as they're, as if they're snaking and get to a free throw line jumper. But now the big, you're getting the big in rotation and on their heels. So now you're going to attack the big and finish probably two foot finish over the big. The third one is you fake the snake and now X3 helps. And so you've got a quick stop, fire it to the corner for a three. All right. So th that's 12 shots for ice or down coverage. And I researched this by um, going over the most, the shots taken for guards. Um, what are the most taken shots off of ball screens? And this is what we come up with, um, what I come up with. Switch coverage. So now X5 is switching off of the one. So set up, read the scheme, punish the help again. So now the scheme is they're switching. So now one's just going right at X5 and get to a jumper. The second one, the middle one, is they, they go off the screen initially, get the switch, 
and now I'll go between the legs or or cross over hard to get the five rolls to the rim. And now you're passing to to the five. So you're working on that post feed and getting in the right angle so you can see their numbers so there's not a turnover. And then relocating for a shot. It's an inside out shot. The last one on this page is a step, a step up. A lot of times I didn't mention that in the ice. A lot of times when when defenders are icing, a lot of times the screener will switch their angle. And the NBA and MW is getting to this. Um, angle is huge, you know, for for the screener. And so if they're icing, it uh, it becomes a step up. So they'll just pivot. So it becomes a step up just like this. And they get downhill quick. Last six shots are drive the big into a step back. So on the left side, you're just going right at X5 into a step back jumper. The middle is you get the you get the switch, you back it off, and then you tack, you attack the big a lot of times to so pull up. It could be a blow by depending on what the other three players are doing on the court and the spacing. But that's a good option. The last one is just a Nash dribble. I think this is a lot. I think I think guards in general need to have this. Um, especially grassroots and, and college and even a lot of pros. I think our players got better at this as the season went on, but not forcing a decision when you get in the lane. If you don't have anything great, you can dribble it out. And this is the last diagram here. You see a late roll uh, working on the Nash dribble. I think he did it the best, Steve Nash. All right. I got a couple questions. First, my comments. Totally agree. The Nash, too many players, if they're stopped or they feel like they're stopped, they pick it up and with mm -hmm. offenses attempting to play with pace this year, that completely kills your pace. And it also limits your decision-making that you can, it just limits your options of things that you can do. So totally right. agree with that. My question for you, especially where you're playing, is there anything, and I have a follow-up to this, is there anything mm -hmm. that you feel ball coverage wise you're seeing more of, or these are typically the two or three that we're encountering most? Yes, we're seeing this a lot. Probably more drop and switch coverage. Um, some teams ice or or down the side ball screen, but I I've seen switch and drop coverage probably the most. And yeah. so, does that impact how much time you spend on what you just showed us? Of course, yes, <laughs> yes, it does. And it it depends on you know if we're playing a team that ices, we'll work more on you know, the, the, the middle screen that I will we'll work on more of those coverages um, going into the game. This is like the prep and, and the pros, you don't get much practice time. So you right. have a shoot around sometimes right. and a, one practice, maybe, <laughs> I mean, we're traveling so much. Once we get into games, we're just playing more than we're practicing way more. So, but the shoot around and the practice leading up, yes, we will focus on whatever that, that particular team does defensively. So outside of the shoot arounds, how do you like to practice this? Is it just with two player action? Is this stuff that you're primarily doing in individual workouts or do you take practice time? Or are there three on three, full five? How do you guys like to rep this? Yeah, I think every coach does it a little bit different. I think that um, getting, getting some reps um, and some connection with the people they're actually passing to is important. Uh, um, you know, developing that chemistry and that connection where they like it, how they like it, um, especially with our fives um, who like it, you know, up and near the basket versus the pocket passes um, and just understanding your teammates. I think that's important. So we do our shooting drills 
you know, in actions like this with a filled corner maybe or a naked corner with, you know, tagging the roller and, and passing it across. So we'll, we'll, we'll mix it up because you don't want to keep it, you know, they'll get bored if you do the same thing all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we like to mix it up. But I do, I do think it's important that they're not just passing to a practice player all the time. Um, right here, we're focusing on guard shots. But in the general big scheme of things, yes, they need to be able to connect with their teammates because that's how it will be successful in the game. Yeah. Uh, traditionally, ball screen, once upon a time, that was a two-man action. And then we all realize, no, that we can really play three-man action because you got the guy that's tagging. And then right. now it's become a five-man action. Is there anything <laughs> that you guys like to do with the other two or are they just stay spaced, opposite wing, corner type thing? Um, I think, I mean, spacing is the name of the game. And I think Vegas probably did the best job of that. They they spaced the floor incredibly well in their set. So that's why it made them very hard to guard. And they had Olympians, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was that too. Uh, but no, I mean, they you had to guard them. And, and I think spacing to a, the corner three, making them make a decision on if they're going to tag the roller or they're going to stay out and make you, you know, defend with some pressure. I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that we'll, we'll see. So we'll put another, if we had a third player in all of these, we would put them in the corner, either field corner or other side. It doesn't matter. So one of the things that I think New York did the best with their personnel was the horns flare action, just very simple action, but with Sabrina and Stewie in the action, it makes it really, really, really hard to guard with, with slew at the point made defenses, make a decision on what you're going to give up. What you have here is they're going to get Stewie on the slip. So Vandersloot's coming off the a horns action. Sabrina's and Stewie's setting a, immediately setting a flare for their best shooter, Sabrina. So that time I got the one more. This time they'll get Stewie on the slip. So really hard action if you have a good shooter and a great. That opened the floor for Slew and then JJ, your five, hitting the three. So that, I thought they did a really good job of executing that action. We saw other teams do it, but they probably did it the best. And then I just got one more from uh, Vegas. Floppy, every team has a version of Floppy, but they had a, a, a bit of an interesting wrinkle to it. They passed it to the five and then two screens, as you can see on the third diagram, for the one. This is Plum, in this case, with her left hand getting downhill. This is the only last thing I have. Cody Zeller is a good friend of ours, and hmm. he has a screen named after him. Uh, which he thinks he's arrived after that fact. Uh, it's funny uh, in the NBA, but it, this is called the Zeller screen. So basically it's a DHO if the guard's trying to blow it up. The big will will get under the guard and basically pivot and it becomes like a step-up screen. So Cody does a great job of this um, reading. So you have a catch here, the guard's blowing it up and now setting a screen. It becomes a handoff slash step-up if the guard decides to defend that way. So it's a good option for your bigs, or a lot of times he, he tries to get one keep a game, meaning he's dho in, and then he just keeps it and gets to the rim. Um, but if he doesn't, that's this is what he gets to, and they actually named a little screen after him. A lot. Well, a lot of people have. I have a, a, a couple things. The first is you showed like the flare. It's so funny. It seems like flare forever has been the one of the hardest actions to guard for teams. Is there anything mm -hmm. else like that i mean you mentioned zoom but things that you see that a lot of teams are using that are just difficult and maybe some ways that you've attempted to guard those things i think it depends on your personnel i mean it's very specific to advantage and disadvantage 
with what's who's on their roster, who's on ours, you know. I think Zoom was something that, or double super Zoom, where you have two screens instead of one, is very hard to guard because now you have to make a decision. And if you have a good back cutting guard and a good passer, that's uh, really difficult to uh, to defend. You have to get in switch and rotations. And then, um, I mean, everyone, I mean, it's a copycat league, so everyone has horns, floppy, you know, um, a version of flex, uh, a little bit. And just five out motion. I mean, pistol, a lot of pistol action, which gives you a flare option, which you talked about. I'm assuming that off season kind of looks a little bit kind of slower for you. I mean, the draft up, uh, anything in between now and the draft? No, it's um, a lot of them are overseas or just healing up, uh, but most of them are overseas playing. So um, it's kind of off season for coaches, but we're always evaluating for the draft, you know, coming up and, in the spring so uh, watching a lot of college basketball now that's coach april Schilling of the dallas wings coach i really appreciate you coming on the podcast thanks for having me